welcome back to Prince on the Pod. This is your host, Sam Prince. And with me today is a very special guest I will be interviewing today, Jordan Ronan. And Mr. Ronan, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everyone a little about yourself? No mister, okay? You're not allowed to say mister. You know? No mister. All right. Makes me, you know, you know, it just makes me feel old when you say mister. So, okay. But uh, no mister. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just joking with you. Uh, yeah, I'm the Giants beat reporter for ESPN. I've uh, been there for, in this job for about three, four years now for ESPN, but I've been covering the Giants. Since the 2013 season, I was with NJ.com and the Star Ledger beforehand. So, a uh, long road to get there. But, I mean, this is what I wanted to do and, you know, kind of what you want to do, Sam. So, you keep grinding away. That's uh, that's how I viewed it. Eventually, it would happen. And you, you mingle with the right people. You do the right things. And I'm, I'm, I've got, I look, I got lucky. I'm lucky. I, and, I, and, I, and I stumbled upon it. And here I am. When you interview a Giants player, whether it's a veteran like Logan Ryan or you have newly rookie fourth overall pick Andrew Thomas, how does that compare whether or how you approach them? Because Logan has been around the media for a long time now. You know, he's a veteran. He knows how to approach the media and you know, and he knows how they're going to approach you. But well, you have Andrew who it was a rookie this year and may not know really how the media's approaches him. Maybe they approached him at Georgia, but he didn't really have that media day at the draft or when really when a Giants get player gets drafted, usually they'll have a big photo shoot at the stadium. You know, oh, we welcome our newest player. Andrew didn't have that. How does that compare? Yeah, it was certainly a strange year because I don't I didn't really get to know him, right? Like usually I would have opportunities in a locker room to get to know the guys. And even Logan Ryan, I mean, I don't really know Logan Ryan. And have the opportunity to sit and chat with him on the side, like non-interview. Like, that's what the locker room is about. It's like, it's, it's a time where you can go in there. And, and a lot of people, everyone views views it differently. That's sort of my one of my approaches to the locker room is like, yes, there's a couple of one or two interviews that day that I need to get maybe. The rest of the time I spend uh, relationship building and just talking to people and really creating bonds and interpersonal relationships. And that's, that's, the, ba- that's the basis of business. I mean, it's a relationship business. That's how you, you get information. That's how you create relationships and friendships. And, and I mean, without it this year, it was a crazy year. But in regards to like, you just realize when you're talking to someone like Logan Bryan that maybe you have a little more latitude of what you can ask. Maybe he's going to be a little more open. It really, but the, the, really it depends. And Andrew Thomas was very, is pretty, was very reserved. Uh, so, I mean, in this specific case, I could say, you know, I probably wouldn't ask them the same things, but it really depends on the individual. Some guys come in when I first was, you know, I was pretty young. Brandon Graham was drafted by the Eagles at the time. Brandon Graham is a huge, personality he would come in shake everybody's hand be like what's your name jordan nice to meet you jordan and every time you saw him he would shake your hand you and that's the thing with with relationships you just feel more comfortable with somebody like that that you could ask them more that you could maybe push them a little bit more to try and get something 
in regard, and I'm not talking about state secrets. I'm talking about is he willing to disclose something, you know, a personal some, you know, issue that he went through, so, stuff like that. That it really just depends on the individual, and 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 that just that holds true no matter how old you are in the locker room. That holds just true. Okay, what's this guy like with the media? How willing is he to open up? How willing is he to converse and interact? And then that that's sort of how you go from there. Like, if I'm looking to do a deep story on something and I know a guy really doesn't open up to the media and isn't very open to talking to media, I might it might not be something, depending on the subject, that you even approach with that guy. And you sort of... When, when there's a sensitive subject, you that's why there's certain – there's always go-to guys in a locker room that are always – like Justin Pugh was just a great guy, right? He would answer anything. And you knew if there was a tough, sensitive subject, he was a guy that you can go to, and he would do his best to be open and honest about it with you. And, and there's – every locker room has those guys. Like um, Justin Tuck was always that guy. Justin Tuck, dynamite guy. Uh, you could go to him with anything. Antro Roll also was a great guy. You could always talk to him about anything. I mean, so there's been guys over the years right now on the team. Uh, I mean, this past year, I, I didn't get to know half of them. So the, the market of people that I know is so much smaller right now. I mean, from the last time we've been in the locker room until now, I mean, you're talking about uh, 18 months plus. So the number of holdovers from there are they're already dwindling. You're already talking about a small, a small amount of guys, you know, a handful of what 20, 30 guys tops who've been there since the last time I've been in a locker room, which is, which is a crazy thought even uh, even think about it. Decide. But like Sterling Shepard, good guy. I could always go to him and talk to him about stuff. Uh, Golden Tate was, was, was a willing participant most of the time. Uh, you know, he to, to talk about certain subjects. He's a veteran in the league. You know, when, when things really went sour for him, then it's a little different story. But, uh, you know, there, there's like. Wow, that was such a fantastic answer. And I'm sure Justin Tuck was probably your go-to guy. One of the most vocal giants. He was everybody's go-to guy, though. I mean, he was just that good. And I'm sure Eli Manning was your go-to guy, too. Hmm. It's different. He's so big that the quarterback is almost insulated in a bit, like. He's not around as much. Uh, Eli is very careful of what he says and what he does. When he, when he was available to speak, he would stand there forever and answer questions and talk, round after round after round. And you could ask him questions, but not, he wasn't available on like a daily basis. Like quarterbacks just aren't, and it's just not the way it works. They're just they're so busy all the time that they have to carve out a special time once a week, basically to be available. Maybe Eli would be, you could catch him like on one other day on like a Friday before he leaves or something like that. But like the time with a guy like Eli was just, was just a lot more limited than with, with other, than pretty much every other player. The quarterbacks are just, they, it, it just operates. Everything about the quarterback operates different. Well, Jordan, that does make perfectly sense, but as you noted earlier that you don't really know half this, more than half this roster currently, but the players that you know and had interactions with, is there a player that, that you have a special relationship with 
or is there a player that you've had a special relationship over the years that you still text or DM with every so often? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys. I mean, I'm not going to really go into that too much. You, know, you never want to like, okay, those reveal, okay, these guys are my sources. Uh, but one of the best guys that I've ever encountered in the locker room, and he was just – just because usually guys, they just want to answer the questions and get out of the way. But Prince of Mukamara in general, he was just an inquisitive guy. Like, he would ask you things, and that, that's rare. Like, he wanted to know about, like, our job. Like, what do you guys – like, why you ask this? What are you doing this? You know, and he would just ask all kinds of questions. Like, why do people care about that? You know, like – and then – so he's just a great guy. I have – someone I have stayed in touch with over the years. Uh, you know, I've, I've bumped into him along the way in other places, too. So I've gotten to know his wife and family as well. Uh, he's just such a solid guy. And everyone will tell you this about him. He is one of the nicest human beings. Like He is not mean to anybody. He, I've never heard, he won't say a mean thing about anybody. He's just the kind of guy you could talk to. So to, that's the one guy to me that, that stands out because in the locker room, he used to come up to me and, and not just me, other guys, people would be like, Jordan, why are they, why, why are you guys going? and talking to this guy on this day and what's like the genesis behind it and what's the thinking behind it. And, and he was just a fun guy in general too, to, to, to cover and talk to. Now, Prince of Mukamara for me is one of my all time favorite players. A lot of people might realize, yeah, when you have the name like Prince as your first name and your last name's Prince, that has a special connection but I've always liked him. I've always heard good things that you said. If only he wore prints on the back of his jersey, it would have been perfect, you know? I know, but it's still a connection. I unfortunately have not never gone to meet him, but Saquon Barkley, unfortunately, week two against the Chicago Bears, tore his ACL, and when he went down, I knew in the bottom of my heart, he's out for the season. That's ACL right there. Yeah. What was your reaction as a reporter and maybe as a fan? Uh, it was, oh, you know, oh, oh crap. Like they're going to be bad. So I don't look at it as like a fan. I look at it from like a working perspective. Like I'm not, I'm not a fan of the giants. I'm not a fan of any NFL team because it's my job. My job is to be unbiased and you just get sort of uh, desensitized anyway over the years, the more you cover it. So I look at it as, oh crap. Uh, I'm gonna now be covering. First of all, I feel for Saquon. That that sucks when it happens to a guy. Obviously, he works so so hard. Everyone's optimistic entering the season, and he goes down, and so that immediately sucks. Now, unfortunately, we deal with this for a lot of guys every year, over and over again. It's just part of the deal. Like this is the NFL. Guys get serious injuries every year. Uh. And but you're, I'm just thinking to myself, oh crap, I am now going to be covering a bad team. Like, there's no way this Giants team wasn't very good in the first place. I knew that without Saquon Barkley, they're gonna stink. So I was like, oh man, they're gonna be bad, their offense is gonna be bad. And for me personally, like, that means. The, your relevance and you become less relevant as ESPN if your team that you cover is not good. They're not going to cover the Giants at one in six 
is not going to be the subject on Sports Center every week. It's just not. So I was like, crap, another year. Because the, let's be quite honest, I've been here since 2013. 13, 14, 15, 16, wait, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. So that's eight seasons right now. One of them was winning season. So that's seven crappy seasons where they basically have been irrelevant seven of those eight seasons. And so for me, I'm like, back to there again. That's where we're headed without Saquon at this point. This team really wasn't going to be able to withstand losing Saquon offensively. And they, they couldn't. They were terrible offensively. The only team that scored less points in the entire NFL than New York Giants last year was the Jets. I mean, they stunk offensively. And you kind of knew that they were going there. You, I didn't think they would be that bad. But you knew they were going to have trouble scoring points and making big plays because they were going to – their plan was to lean on Saquon uh, as much as humanly possible. Saquon is a talent that is like no other. But can you give us a little inside information, if you can, on what his recovery is like? Do you think that he can become the player that he wants to be? I do. The ACL injury now, like the patella injury is different. That's worse. ACL at this point has become ho-hum. Guys come back from ACL every year. There's just not a big history of guys coming back from the patella tendon tear or rupture. There's now a huge history of guys that are able to come back from ACL tears. Now, I think Saquon can. He's going to come back. He's going to be just fine. It might take some time. It might not be immediately. It might not even be from this this year. Might not be his best year. Might not be till next year he comes back, and it's the same player he once was. You know, at at his rookie year when he when he was healthy. But I do think he'd come back and be a great player. That doesn't really concern me so much. The biggest concern, and this is what another team, another general manager from another team told me, is that when running backs tear one ACL, the concern later on is tearing end up is that you know tearing the other. ACL. I don't know if they've done research on this or, or where that came from, uh, but that would maybe be a bigger concern than the fact that Kenny come back from an ACL injury at this point. Because guys, really, ACL has become such a common procedure. Modern medicine is so advanced that I, I really think guys come back. I mean, Adrian Peterson is, I think. 2011 or 13, he suffered his knee injury. I mean, he's been, he's had a great career nine, 10, eight, nine years later, whatever it is. So, yeah, I do, I do think that Saquon, that, that part of it doesn't worry me that much that he's, you know, can get back to being a, a great player in this league. Now, I mean, I, I just hope so he does because one of my favorite players. So we spoke a little bit before free agency, but obviously free agency and the drafts are your two biggest moments in the offseason. And free agency, the Giants surprisingly made moves. What move were you most surprised? And can you tell us a little bit about the Kenny Galloway saga? Uh, well... I kind of, you kind of knew, you knew they were, I knew they were interested in Kenny Galloway. So I'm not going to say the signing surprised me. The price certainly surprised me. Uh, and it also surprised me that once they went and got Galloway, and this is why I'll, I'll get to, this is my biggest surprise. Once they went and got Galloway, that they were going to, that they were willing to go out there again and double back 
and make another big signing and get a Dory Jackson. And then the price they paid there also really high. I mean, I thought he was, I was told by people in the know that he was going to get paid, right? Okay. He's going to get serious money. He's going to get paid. Even after they told me that, I did not think it was going to be in the $13 million range. I don't think anybody did. Like my phone blew up from people around the league and agents and, you know, even people involved in that, like, holy cow, what the heck happened there? That's a lot of money for him. And so uh, that really surprised me, that move. Now, what I think happened was the Giants didn't expect a guy like Adoree Jackson, who they obviously have very well regarded in their eyes, okay, who's young, right, who, who would be able to hit the free agent market at 25 years old and what they deemed, you know, his injury risk not being enough that they, they thought it was uh, an impediment moving forward. They didn't think that that kind of guy would really hit the market. A guy that they, they loved, Adoree Jackson, when he came out in the draft. Now he ended up going to the Titans. He went up, I think that might have been the year they drafted Evan Ingram. So it was before the Giants ever picked. But if he had made it to them that year, that would have been someone that they would have very seriously considered, that they liked a lot. So there's still some people in the front office that are there from there from that time. Uh, you know, the pro personnel department guy also, you know, he's been there. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that the Giants really jumped at this specific player. I just didn't know that this was they, that they would do it after. They signed Galladay. In regards to Galladay, look, they just needed – the Giants liked Kenny Galladay. We knew that from the start. Like, I knew that before free agency. They liked Kenny Galladay. But they, were, they had questions on Kenny Galladay, and they wouldn't have been able to sign him if they weren't able to bring him in for a visit because there was concern about what went on in Detroit last year and beforehand. His injury, he had a hip injury that forced him to miss most of the year, which I don't think the Lions were that pleased that he missed the whole year. So there was a lot of things that kind of needed to be settled there. So they kind of went back and forth on that. And I know, I feel like Joe Judge in particular needed to kind of sign off on whether Kenny Gallaudet, he thought, fit into the culture that he instilled and and the program that he put in place last year. And unless he was able to do that, and he wasn't going to be able to do that unless he got to sit across face to face with Kenny Galladay. And he sat across him for a very long time. Unless that was able to happen, I don't think the Giants would have been able to sign him. Uh, first of all, I am so happy that they signed him. Still ecstatic because he. Daniel Jones finally has a weapon that he can throw. And I'm not saying anything bad about Sterling Shepard or Golden Tate, Austin Mack, or Darius Slayton, but they're really not a true number one wide receiver. And for the past couple of years, you know, we've been hearing, oh, Daniel Jones is not the guy. Daniel Jones is the guy. Daniel Jones is not the guy. And back and forth and so on. And now Daniel Jones going to his third year, this is really going to be a make or break year for him. And last year, he got the captain's patch. And I think he's really living up to his captain because he's bringing the whole offense out to Arizona and 
part of the offensive line to work out. And he knows that this is a make or break year. He knows if he has an average year, they're drafting a QB next year or trading for one or signing for one. Jordan, do you think that Daniel Jones will be the franchise quarterback of the New York Giants? I thought you were going to give me your your opinion right there. Uh, man, that's a tough question. I, You know, I think Daniel Jones could be a good quarterback. I don't see Daniel Jones being a great quarterback. Uh, do I think he can be a top 10 or 12 guy? I do. Do I envision him being a top five guy? I do not. So that's probably where I stand. I think he's better than that. Certainly than some people think he's, he's definitely a starter in this league, in my opinion. Uh, And I think in the right situation, he's an above average starter. Like I said, average is what 16 is 32 teams. So yeah, he could easily be, you know, 10 to 15, you know, quarterback in the league. I definitely think that. And uh, I think he's going to have a much better year this year. I will say that because, Look, he's adding Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay. It's the second year in the system. He's in his third year. Like, there's a lot of things working in their favor that say they should be much better. Because let's be honest, the bar is so damn low right now. They stunk last year. He threw 11 touchdown passes. It might not have been a lot all his fault, but he was, he just didn't look very good most of the year. And that that's just the reality. So now it's put up or shut up time, right? Let's see what you got. There's no excuses. He has enough weapons to be successful. Like his line might be bad. That might prevent him from being great and having this great season. It shouldn't prevent you from at least being able to make some big plays and having some success. Like you can't be the 30th ranked off, 31st ranked offense. You can't even be the 25th ranked offense. You got, there should, they, they, I don't care where their line is. It's going to be good enough where they should be able to have some success. They should at least be able to be a middle of the road offense. And he should be able to be a middle of the road quarterback. Well, Jordan, I will tell you my opinion. Now I want to, you know, let the guests go first, be respectful. <laughs> I hope he is the franchise quarterback. I really do. But you that, hope, but what do you think? What do I think? What if, do you really believe? If I give you a truth serum, truth is serum? Daniel Jones the quarterback in five years? I don't think so. I honestly don't think <laughs> okay. so. If if you give me two five years from what he's shown me, I think he'll be the I think he'll be the quarterback for the New York Giants for the next two, three years. But unless he doesn't take a big step with Kenny Galladay and Saquon Barkley, how many excuses can this guy have? No, he ha- look, he has to take it to the next level. I mean, there's no doubt about that. At this point, he's got to make a huge jump this year. It's it's this is now, like I said, this is now or never. And but I'm probably with you. Like, I think he could be good. I don't know if he's the, the, the long-term overall answer. The Giants are pretty confident about it, though. I'll tell you that much. They're way more confident about it than I would, than I would expect. But uh, they got a lot of, they got a lot of uh, high expectations for him. And so we'll, we'll see if he can live up to him. Look, he's a good guy. He does everything right. There are a lot of reasons to believe. I could see why the Giants look at him and say, look, he works hard. He does all the right things. He has the he could throw the ball well enough. He can move well enough. He can he can process. There's a lot of things to like about him. My biggest concern would be uh, just when things start to break down, 
it's almost like there's a panic to him. And I don't know if you could beat that out of a guy. It'll be, inter- it'll be interesting to see if maybe he does just get more comfortable. Maybe it's just a matter of getting those reps and feeling comfortable, and then he could take it to the next level. But until I see it, I'm not sure if I'm going to believe it either. Speaking of QB uncertainty for the Giants, now let's just say if, you know, the Giants are like, okay, you know, Daniel Jones is average. We're not going to win a Super Bowl with him because I don't believe personally what John Maris said about we can win multiple Super Bowls with Daniel Jones unless he shows a flash. And I have the utmost respect for the Mara family. That's, that's not saying anything bad against them. But I know you're going to like this. You know, a while ago, we saw Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson rumors. And you put on your in- Instagram reel and TikToks about teams being interested in Russell Wilson. And you said, oh, well, you know, they could be interested in Russell Wilson. I want a Lamborghini. What are you going to give in return? Do you think that, like, if someone like that and was interested in the Giants, they would give a King's Ransom to? Well, obviously, the Deshaun Watson situation is uh, way more nuanced at this point. Uh, But let's just say there's a star quarterback. First of all, here's the thing. Here's why I say that. Star quarterbacks just don't get traded or moved in the middle of their career. It just doesn't happen. You don't you you wait years and years to find the guy. No team is like the best quarterbacks to hit free agency over like the last, you know, 20 years are like uh Tom Brady, but because he was 40 years old and he basically outlasted his uh replacement plan, by the way. Uh, you know, he was in there. Peyton Manning, because that was just a crazy situation. He had a really, really serious injury, and his team got the number one pick and had, and had Andrew Luck sitting there, and no one knew if Peyton Manning would be able to play. So he hit free agency, went to the Broncos. And then Kirk Cousins, and that's just because Washington was Washington. That was a messed-up situation. They weren't in love with him. So the guys of Russell Wilson's level, they don't just get moved. Now, Russell Wilson's getting older. Like in a year or two, he could be available. You, you don't give up a King's Ransom for like a 37-year-old quarterback at that point. So that's not the way to get a quarterback, a long-term quarterback. Like if, it's the way to get, uh, you know, Peyton Manning maybe or uh, Tom Brady maybe at the end of their career, but only if you have the perfect team in there at the time. And the Broncos, so um, it, it's really, really unlikely for me to say that's the way the Giants are going to get their quarterback. Not impossible, but unlikely. And as we finish this interview off, the NFL draft is coming up. And personally, this is one of my favorite times of the year. I'm sure this is one of your favorite times of the year. And who, if you could disclose this information, who are the Giants looking at? Is it going to be Rashawn Slater? Is it going to be Micah Parsons? Are they going Ed Rusher? Are they going Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith? Maybe even Kyle Pitts? Or if you want to go wide receiver, trade up for Jamar Chase, which I personally, I don't know if I would do if I was a Giants at this point, in their quote-unquote not rebuild, but unfortunately as a Giant fan, I know it's a rebuild. Until they have a, a winning season, it's not a rebuild to me. But, you know, that's just my opinion. Who do you think they would draft and who are they looking at? If you can disclose this information. and if Yeah, you- I mean, look, nobody's telling me, hey, here's who we're drafting. That's uh-huh. that's not the, that's just not the, the way it works. So I can't, like you said, I, I can tell you what I know. 
And look, the, the way this process works is you have tidbits of information and you sort of put the puzzle together. And I, over the years, I, I've, I've, most years I've done fairly well. I mean, it's a little harder. The Evan Ingram year, I was way, I had no idea, way off on him because when you draft 21, it's a lot harder. When you draft number two overall, it's a lot easier to pinpoint. These are the guys that are paying really close attention to. These are the guys that they're like. So on 11, you could kind of get the gist of what they're thinking of. What I do know is the Giants have put a lot of efforts into looking at and scouting the wide receivers and the edge rushers. Okay. Now they did sign Kenny Galladay. We'll see how much that changes the situation. I don't think though, from the people I've talked to that them signing Kenny Galladay takes them completely out on a wide receiver. If at number 11, like if Devonta Smith is there, I think that's a pick that the giants would probably make. Okay. Now there's some edge rushers that I've all that, They've, they've done a lot of work on, like, Aziz Ojolari from uh, Georgia. I'm not sure they would pick him at 11. So maybe are they looking at him possibly for the second round? Is that a possibility? Would he ever have a chance to drop there? They have to make this choice. Or is it a sign that, hey, they might actually be interested this year in trading back in the first round? Because let's be, let's be honest, that, to me, makes the most sense. They need an edge rusher, but the edge rusher sweet spot is not pick 11. They could have their, their choice of any edge rusher 11, but probably not great value. They'll probably have someone way higher on their board than the top edge rusher. So what makes a lot of sense this year would be, hey, maybe you trade back, trade into the middle of the first round. You trade into the teens, the 18, 19. You get an edge rusher there and add to your draft capital. Giants don't have a ton of picks this year. So it would be beneficial for them to add that draft capital and get more guys. So that's something that stands out to me. Uh, the interesting question is, all right, because I asked around the league, I said, which non-quarterbacks will not be there when the Giants pick at 11? And the guy that was said to me was Chase is no chance to be there. Penny Sewell and Pitts. Now, Rashawn Slater, who you mentioned, was a guy who – some people said he won't be available at 11, no chance. And some people said, I think there is, there's some chance. So here's the scenario that, that's very intriguing. What if he does make it to 11? Would they pull the trigger on another offensive lineman who's really an offensive tackle? He's a guy who could play left tackle in the NFL, probably. There's a lot of people believe that. Uh, maybe he could play right tackle, but they just drafted uh, two tackles last year. Uh, would they want to slide him inside? These, this is, I'm just playing hypothetical here. These are the questions that they have to answer. I think that would be one they would have to think about long and hard if he did make it to them. So uh, those are the, some of the names and the, the most likely guys that I've heard so far. Patrick Sertain also will be the other one I would throw in of a guy that I believe that they like at this point in the process. So uh, I don't know. They did sign the Dory Jackson. So that might make that less likely now, but still a player that they, they, they probably have pretty high on their board. And Jordan, if you are the giants and you trade back to maybe let's just say 15, 16, 17, let's just say 16. And Micah Parsons is on the board. Let's hypothetical. He is, which I don't think he will be on the board at 15 or 16 with wherever, if they do trade down in there, 
Would you take him? I think there's a lot of questions about Michael Parsons that would keep teams from drafting him, uh, specifically the Giants. I would be surprised if the Giants took Michael Parsons, uh, given the questions that you hear about him uh, behind the scenes. Uh, so there's there's a lot of like, I guess it was, I don't know. I, I All I know is there's a lot of teams out there, I've spoken to a few already, that they have a lot of questions about him as a with character and an individual. Uh, the Giants just had the DeAndre Baker thing just a couple of years ago. That, to me, would make this even more difficult for them. Uh, you're trying to minimize your risk in the draft, especially in the first round. That would probably be a tough pick for the Giants to make. Yeah, I get that. If I was them, you know, that character issue does come a long way. But, you know, uh, on the field, amazing player. I don't know too much about, you know, his character issues. I just know he has some off field. I know that's not really with the culture that Joe Judge is bringing. And Jordan, thank you for coming on Prince the Pod today. And thank you for listening today. Appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks for having me, man. You're welcome.